19, Luke chapter 19, and I do have a clicker, but I'm not going to use it because of what happened in the first service, and I'm going to depend on my wonderful wife who's in the back there of 20 years to know where I'm going, and we'll see how good of a marriage we have as we begin this together, <laughs> this journey together. Um, I'm so thankful. I mean, what a, what a week, what a week, what a, isn't it amazing all the things that could happen in a week? I mean, it just, I mean, you think about it last Sunday, you know, it started off with a scare with, with Adeline and the ambulance and all that. And, and then the week just was, got harder. You, you, Monday, we heard about the Nashville shootings. And then, you know, that discouraged you and then all the things that are going on. And then things got a lot better, a lot better on Thursday. What happened on Thursday? The MLB season started. Amen. <laughs> what happened on Thursday? Come on, you guys know this. The first home run was hit of the 2000, I almost said 19, the 2023 season. The first home run was hit by who? Aaron Judge. Not one amen. This is a rough crowd here. All right. You know who he is? Well, we'll talk about him later. But anyway, you know, so things started to get a little bit better. And then Friday, you hear about chat GPT getting banned in Italy. You don't mess with Italians. You know, you don't want to mess in some kind of sensitive information. I don't know what happened, all that. And then yesterday we found out that um, San Diego was a San Diego State University. I forget which one it was that shocked the world. And now they're in the championship game. Ask me if I care about that. I don't. But anyway, um, you know, some of those things, a lot happens in a week. Can you imagine the week of Jesus? How it started and how it ended. Now, some people say, why do we make such a big deal about this week, this Passion Week? Well, did you know, look at these facts here for a moment. Did you know that the final eight chapters of Matthew deal with one week, one week in the life of Jesus? Did you know that six of the 16 chapters of Mark deal with one week, only one week in the life of Jesus? Did you know that six of the 24 chapters of Luke deal with how long? One week. This is what blows my mind. Did you know that 10 of the 21 chapters in the book of John, almost half the book of John, everyone says, you should read the book of John. That's the first book you should go to. Read the book of John. 10 of those chapters deal with one week in the life of Jesus. Think about that. And what a week he had. It starts off, you know how the week starts off? It starts off with the triumphal entry and he, he gets on a donkey. We're going to talk about that here in a moment. People are praising him to the Pharisees telling him to rebuke people for him weeping over Jerusalem. And then on Monday, him cursing a fig tree and telling that tree is never going to bear fruit again. And he's talking about Israel on Tuesday, going in with whips and, 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 and turning over tables in, in the temple and cleansing the temple. On Wednesday, laying low. And, and we understand what happened on Wednesday. He was anointed for his burial. On Thursday, which was amazing, they had the, the Last Supper and then Judas was exposed and, and different things happened on Thursday. Throughout the night, on Thursday and Friday, he's going through mock trials and then they, they they rip his beard and they put a crown on him and they put him on a cross on Friday and then Saturday what's going on the disciples all worried thinking their hope died 
And on Sunday, he rose again. That's a week. <laughs> That's a week. You're complaining about your week. Think of that week for a moment. And we're going to start the week off. We're going to talk about what happened. And many of you have heard of today called Palm Sunday. How many of you ever heard of Palm Sunday, right? And how many of you have been to churches where they've actually given you palms? Anybody ever been to that? We had a lady come here and she said, Oh, how I miss our old church. They used to give us palms and you guys give us nothing. <laughs> and my response to her was, Well, I appreciate your old church, but you're still getting nothing. We're not giving you anything. Um, <laughs> here's what's interesting. Luke doesn't even mention the palms. We're going to talk about that here in a moment. Why doesn't he even mention it? But let's, let's start it off here in Luke um, chapter 19, verse 28. Let's go through this wonderful passage and see what's going on here. After he said these things, it says in verse 28 of Luke 19, he was going on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. Now, now we understand that, that, that Jesus, ever since Luke chapter 9, he's going to Jerusalem. His face is set toward Jerusalem. He knows he's going to go to Jerusalem. Now, the people think that he's going to go to Jerusalem, he's going to judge Israel, and he's going to become their king and set up his kingdom. But that's not what's going to happen. He knows in his mind, when he goes to Jerusalem, he will die. He will die. He will be crucified. He has set his face to going to Jerusalem. Now, here's what's interesting. This wasn't an easy trip from Jericho to Jerusalem. It was, some people say, a six to eight hour walk, 15 miles uphill. Now, some of the youth are a lot more um, brave than I am. They decide to go up the incline this week. Now, how many have done that? Has anybody ever done the incline? Why? <laughs> Why would you do that? Get on a train and go up if you want to see. It's nice. That's not the way I want to go see Jesus. I don't want to go up an incline and end up in heaven. You know, and, and a lot of people don't make it. You know, so we got to be careful. Um, but these guys, they went up. I was nervous the whole way up. They, they worried about them. And all the way down, worried about them. But they made it. They took a picture. They went up. This, it wasn't an easy trip. But notice this here in, in, in the verse here, in verse 28. He's going to Jerusalem. This is not an easy trip. And he knows he's going to die. And notice in verse 29 what happens. This is amazing. He approached Bethpage here, which is interesting. It's, it's literally called the house of unripe figs. Figure that one out. <laughs> um, I'm not going to tell Bob's joke on that one because it didn't work in the first service. <laughs> and he goes, <laughs> the good, yeah, the, it, nah, nah, it, it's a, all right, so I got to tell it. Okay, all right. Bob wants everybody to eat dried grapes. Do you know why? Because it's all about raising awareness. <laughs> I shouldn't have told it, should I? I told you, it didn't work in the first one. It's not going to work in the second one or the third one if we ever have that. It's done. Where were we? Beth Page. Let's get back to that. Verse 29. So they approached Beth Page and Bethany, two, two towns that were about a, a couple of miles from, from Jerusalem there, near the mount which is called Olive. And we understand that, that this is a place where in Zechariah he talks about how the, the Lord, God, Jesus will 
set his feet on the Mount of Olives. So, so here's what happens here. Notice how Jesus knows all the details of everything that could ever happen and will happen. Not only everything that will happen, everything that could happen. Watch this. He sent his two disciples and he tells them this, verse 30, saying, Go into the village of you there, and as you enter, you will find a what? A colt. A baby donkey. Go in there and you will find a baby donkey. You will find the colt tied. Look how he knows these details. You will find a colt that no one has ever sat. Why is that important? Because animals could not be used for ordinary purposes and sacred purposes. This had to be an animal that was never been ridden before. Untie it. And bring it here. Notice all the details he understands here. And if anyone asks you, verse 31, why are you untying it? You shall say, notice this here, the Lord has what? Need of it. Whose donkey is it anyway? It's the Lord's. He created the donkey. He has every right to the donkey. And so what he is saying here is this. You're going to go into the city. You're going to see this thing. You're going to see that it's, it, it, it's tied up. You're going to see no one's ever ridden it before. You're going to untie it. You're going to bring it to me. Anyone ask you, you tell them the Lord needs it. It is the Lord's. Now, here's what blows me away. Here's Jesus, the one that created everything. And here he is walking on earth, and all he has is a robe and sandals. What does he own? Nothing. He has to borrow a beast. Isn't that crazy? We own so much. And yet here is Jesus with just a robe and sandals and he's asking to borrow a donkey. And you say to yourself, why a donkey? Why a colt? Why, why a baby? Why, why did he have to do that? Well, 500 years before he even walked on this earth, notice this here, what, what it says here in Zechariah 9.9. If you have your Bibles, you can look there. I'll have the verse up here. Zechariah 9.9. This is an interesting verse here about a donkey. It says this, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, notice verse 9, your what is coming to you? Your king. Notice what he is. He's a king. What kind of a king? He tells us he is just. He is a righteous king. He is righteous in his character. He is righteous in his person. That's who he is. And notice what else the kind of king he is. He is one who is endowed with what? Salvation. He is the only one that can save. No church can save us. No person can save us. The only one that can save us is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is endowed with salvation. He is the one that will deliver us. He is the one that will deliver us from our sins. He is the one that will deliver the world from evil. He is the Savior. Notice what else he is. He's humble. That's our God. And he's mounted on a what? A donkey. Even a colt, a fowl of a donkey. So what is he saying here? He's saying that back then, the kings, when they wanted to make war, they would come on a horse. When they wanted peace, they would come on a donkey. Here's our Savior. 
He says, go and go back to Luke here for a moment. Go and I want you to do all these things. I want you to walk into the city, uh, to the town. I want you to find this cult. He's tied up. As soon as you walk in there, you see it. You, you untie it. If anyone asks you anything, you tell them the Lord needs it. Now, can you imagine these two disciples? They're thinking, of, okay, yeah, we're going to go in there. Yeah, we're going to go find. They walk in there and get what happens. Look at the next verse here in verse 32. So, so those who were sent went away. And found it just as the, as he told them. <laughs> he knows everything, our God. They find this this coat. Notice what it says here. And as they were untying the coat, here comes the owners. And he said to them, "Why are you untying the coat?" And and they said, "The Lord has need of it." There it is. And he can let him have it. Now, what happens? Notice this in verse thirty-five. It says, and they brought it to Jesus and they threw their coats on the colt. Now that's, that's interesting. Why are they throwing their coats on the colt? Why are they making a saddle out of coats? I don't know if you've ever ridden a horse before, but riding bareback is not easy. Riding on a saddle is not easy. I hate the things. You know I mean? I, the last one I rode on, the thing bit me. I don't know what was wrong with it, but... That's why I don't get on those things anymore. But throwing it, throwing this on, the coats. Why were they throwing their coats on us? And then notice the next verse. They put Jesus on it. Look at verse 36. They are laying out their coats. They're spreading their coats out on the street. As he's walking down the road, they're throwing their coat. They're throwing their outer tunic out. And they're saying, here it is, King. Hail Jesus, here it is. Wow. You say, why are they doing that? Well, here's, here's what it is. If you ever studied and looked in the Old Testament, the spreading of one's garments, you know what they meant? It meant homage reserved for a king. And, and here's what they're doing. They're paying homage to the Lord. They're saying, oh, you're not going to ride bareback. You're going you're gonna to ride on our coats. And not only that, we're going to let the donkeys trample on our coats because you are worthy, Jesus. You are king. You are Lord. I love this verse in 2 Kings 9.13 when they come, they were, they were about to make somebody the king. They went out and they grabbed their garments real quick and they threw it down. And they said, hail what? Here it is. Jehu is what? King. That's what they're doing. Can you imagine the scene here? Now this even gets even better. Notice verse 37. This is beautiful. And as, going back to, to Luke here, in, in verse 37, as soon as he was approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, watch this, the whole crowd began to do what? Yes, you guys aren't part of the whole crowd. What were they doing? They were doing what? They were doing what? You guys are low. You guys are low here. You know why? Because look at this verse. You want to see something fun here? Watch this. They're praising God joyfully. So there's a smile. They're not like praising God. They're praising God. No, there's a smile on their face. I wonder if some of you have teeth. Because there's never a smile. Smile. They're praising God. Joyfully. Now watch this. With a what? A loud voice. You ready for these next two Greek words? Loud voice. Megaphone. Where we get our English word what? Megaphone. They're loud. They are praising God. 
with a smile on their face and they're loud and they're praising them. They're not just sitting there. I don't know why I'm scaring them. But they're not just sitting there doing nothing. They are praising the Lord joyfully. You say, why are they doing this? What is exciting them about Jesus? And here's where this gets beautiful. And here's why we should be praising God on this day. A lot of us miss the whole thing about what is this Holy Week about. We should be praising God for certain things. Notice what they're all excited about. Watch this here. It says here in verse 37, As soon as he was approaching near to descend the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of the disciples began to what? Praise God joyfully with a loud voice. And here's why. For all the miracles which they have seen. All the evidences of his spiritual power. All the miracles of God. Can you imagine walking with Jesus and seeing things like we see in this next verse in Luke chapter 7? Can you imagine walking with him and seeing the blind receive sight? Could you imagine walking with him and seeing the lame now can walk? The lepers are now cleansed. The deaf can hear. The, the dead are raised up. Do you know why some people went to go see this? Because they didn't just go to see Jesus. They wanted to see Lazarus. How in the world was Lazarus raised from the dead? They wanted to see them. Can you imagine this? Look at this. They were praising God. you know why? Because the poor have the gospel preached to them. The miracles of God. If that doesn't excite you, I don't know what will. And we see them all the time, even nowadays. Now, we don't see these guys going around and healing people and, and seeing all this and these fake miracles that some people are trying to perform. But we are seeing people's lives change. And let me just tell you something. That's a miracle by God. How are people who hate God, hear the gospel, and now all of a sudden love God? That is a miracle by God. We ought to be praising God and thanking God for the work that he's doing in our in their in people's lives and in our lives. They are so excited, they can't contain themselves. They are joyfully praising God. And, and, and they're, they're shouting. Look what they shout here in verse 38. They're shouting, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Now, here's where this gets beautiful. Because when you study the Gospels, you will notice that all four of the Gospel writers decide to put a different twist or a different detail into the story. Now, some people ask you, what happens when Matthew says this, Mark says this, John says this, and Luke says this? What's right? And the answer is all of the above. Now, I want, I want you to see this. Look how beautiful this gets. Matthew in chapter 21, if you want to turn in your Bibles there, I have the verse here, but Matthew 21, notice what, how he tells the story and what they're shouting and singing here and saying to the Lord here. Notice this in, in Matthew 21, verse 9, what it says here. It says this. It says, the crowds going ahead of him and those followed him were shouting. Here's what they were shouting. Hosanna to the son of David. The word Hosanna means save us. They're crying out for salvation. Save us, king. Save us, God. And they're saying, they're calling him, look at this, what they're calling him, the son of David. You know what they're saying by saying that? They're saying he is the only one that has the rightful place to rule on the, on the throne of David. He is the son of David. 
Notice how, how Matthew brings it out. And then watch what he says here. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, save us in the highest. They're crying out for salvation. Now, what does Mark do? Let's go to Mark for a moment. Mark chapter 11. Mark 9, what does he say? Mark 11 verse 9 says this. In verse 8, he mentions, he mentions the palms. And we're going to talk about that in a moment. The branches. But in verse 9, he says this. And those who went in front and those who followed were shouting. Notice what they were shouting. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now watch this in verse 10. What are they looking? What are they shouting? Blessed is the coming what? Kingdom. Look what they're waiting for. The kingdom of God to come on this earth where the king Jesus will be ruling. They're shouting and excited about that. That the kingdom is coming. And they say, Hosanna, save us. Save us in the highest. Let's go to John. We're going to skip Luke. We're going to go back to Luke here in a moment. Let's go to John. What does John do here? How does John mention this? What does he talk about here? John chapter 12, verse 13. What does he say here? Oh, he mentions something here. Why doesn't your church give us palm trees, palm branches? Look at this, verse 13. And they took the branches of the what? Palm trees. So they did use them. Do you know why they used them? Do you know what it meant? Well, the picture of a palm branch or branches from a palm tree were found on the back of a coin. And it came out of a revolt where they wanted the king to come and to take over. They usually would wave those palm branches before the Feast of the Tabernacles, not before the Feast of the Passover. And so it was so complex that Luke doesn't even mention it. But here, notice what he says. John mentions it and says, they're waving the, they're waving the, because they were waving them. Look at it in verse 13, what it says here. And look what they're crying out. They began to shout, Hosanna, save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the what? The king of Israel. He's the king. And he's the one who's going to come and reign in Israel. Now, let's go to Luke. No mention of the palm trees. No mention of the palm branches. No mention of any of that. But he does make two things that are different. And you need to understand this. And this is so important for us to understand what palm, or I would call it, praise Sunday is all about. Watch this. Blessed is, he doesn't say, the one or he who comes in the name of the Lord like the rest of them do. He says, blessed is the what? The king. That's who he is. Blessed is the king. He is King Jesus riding a donkey. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. They're, they're, they're quoting out of Psalm 118 verse 26 where, where the kings would come and they would enter into the temple and the priests would shout out to them, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord because they have victory. Here's he saying, he's the king who comes. And watch this. Peace, where? Now don't miss this. 
Because people say, okay, I want to make him king as long as I have peace here on this earth. And he doesn't say peace on the earth here. He says peace where? Let me just tell you what we're going to have on this earth. See, if they would have accepted the king right here, we would have had peace on earth and in heaven. But they don't accept him. They reject him. So guess what? Not only do we not have peace on earth, we have evil on this earth. We have battles on this earth. We have turning on the news and seeing people walk into schools and shoot people. We have people shooting themselves. We have all kinds of spiritual warfare on this earth. Because they reject the king and, and who he really is, now there's not only not peace on this earth, there, there, there's wickedness, there's evil, there's, there's conflict on this earth. Notice what Worsby says here. I want to I show you this. He says, Dr. Luth opened up his gospel with the angel's announcement of peace on earth. Remember that when Jesus came? Peace is, it came to earth. But now he says peace in heaven. Why? Because when the king was rejected, there could be no peace on earth. Instead, there would be constant, bitter conflict between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of evil. Welcome to our world. To our sad world. To our world that we look at things and we say, how in the world, what, what possesses somebody to walk into a school and shoot three kids? What's going on in their minds when they're doing this stuff? Why, why, is, why is there so much evil? Everywhere we go, everywhere we watch, you turn on the news, there's something wrong going on. Something, something bad is going on. I say, why in the world? Why doesn't God just stop it? Well, let's give some options here. Why doesn't God just change all of our hearts and make us do always what is right? Well, then we would have no meaningful relationship with Him. Why doesn't God just get rid of all the bad people? Well, if he does that, guess who else is going with them? We are, because we're all bad. Why doesn't God get rid of the big sins and just leave the little sins? God can't do that. So as we are waiting for our Lord to come back and reign on this earth, guess what we're going to see? Evil on this earth. Here's the good news. Ready for the good news? There's peace in heaven. Even in the midst of all that is going on in this world, we can still have peace with God. You say, how do we have peace with God? Romans 5.1 says it. We are justified by faith. The moment we put our faith in Jesus Christ, that he died for our sins, he was buried and he rose again, and we trust alone in that and nothing else, we have peace now with the Holy God. And although on this earth we may not see the peace that we like, Guess what? We can still have peace in heaven. And Colossians 1.20 says, and, and, and through him we've been reconciled all things to himself. Why? By, by making peace through the blood of the cross. Yes. You see, Luke mentions that, and it's very important for us to understand that as, as, the, as, the, as the crowd is shouting, they're not only saying, save us, and not only saying, we're going to have the kingdom now. They understand that he will be crucified. And they know, and he knows. And so he's saying, peace is going to be where? In heaven. And then he says here, glory in the highest. Is everyone excited about this? Well, <laughs> we'll look at the next verse. 
These Pharisees kill me. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, they don't even acknowledge who he is. Don't miss this. They don't call him all the things that the crowd is screaming out. They don't call him king. They don't call him the son of David. They don't, they, they, don't, they don't acknowledge him for being who he is, the king of Israel. They don't acknowledge any of that. They call him teacher. You're a rabbi. Verse 39, he's rabbi. We won't even acknowledge who you are. Rebuke your disciples. Stop them. It's kind of like that church member that's sitting there watching a kid not behave themselves and looks at the parent. Stop your kid. Making all that noise. Well, yeah. Praise God we have kids who make noise. Amen. I mean, I enjoy it. Not all the time, but I enjoy it. All right. All right. <laughs> Camera's looking at me. I enjoy it. You know, we had one that used to spit at me all the time when I would preach. It's all right. I mean, you get used to that stuff. You get used to it every few minutes. <laughs> Here are the disciples. They're sitting here shouting and praising, and the Pharisees are sitting there with their arms crossed. Stop them! Look what happens. And don't miss this. Jesus said to them, I tell you, if these become silent, the stones are going to cry out. If you're not going to praise God, if you're not going to thank God for His miraculous power, if you're not going to thank God for His miraculous person, who He is, if you're not going to thank God for the peace that He gives on this earth through Him that we have, something will. Because He's going to get the praise whether you do it or not. We live in a world that wants to stop our mouths and shut us up and stop us from praising our God. We live in a world that is so intolerant towards us and they call us intolerant. We live in a world that they say, you know, you can't do that. Forget about religious freedom, all this stuff. You can't say, you, go to, you keep your mouth shut. And we read a Bible that says, open your mouth and praise him. And don't stop, no matter what they say. There are jobs that I tell you, don't do it. You can't praise them. Praise them. There are people out there, don't you praise them. You thank the Lord for who he is and what he has done in your life. Notice, notice what this, this guy says here. He says this, he says, I can't even pronounce his name, so I won't even try. Look what he says here. Our Lord's response is famous in every expressive church and among those who love to praise God. It's sad. There's only a few and far a few between that love to praise God like that. Notice what it says. God will be praised by his creation, even if inanimate rocks must give voice to his greatness. The rocks will cry out. The trees will clap. The mountains will skip and sing. The sky will proclaim his handiwork. Everything that has breath will praise God. I love that. What he's saying is this. If you don't praise him, something will. So open your mouth. And then here's what he says here, and I love this. He says, don't let anyone stop you from praising Jesus, including outwardly religious folks. Isn't it amazing? It's those people that get upset because you're excited in Jesus. Don't be afraid to express yourself when you praise him. He is worthy. If Christ brings you peace, 
then you bring them praise. And here's what happens. You know why a lot of people aren't praising them? Because they've never experienced the peace that God gave them. He wants to give it to you. And it only comes through Jesus Christ. When you put your faith in Christ alone, now we have peace with God. And if we have peace with God, we better praise Him. Praise Him while we can. 23 years ago, around this time, I was called to the hospital to go see my father for the last time. I remember walking in the room and he was all tubed up and just couldn't even, couldn't breathe on his own, nothing. And he's sitting there and he's looking at me and I said, Dad, if you know who I am, please grab my hand. Because they said he, he didn't know who people were. And I said, Dad, grab my hand if you know who I am. And with his little strength, he, he, he moved his right hand and he grabbed my hand. I'm like, yeah, he knows me. I said, Dad, you need to accept Christ. There's, time, there's no more time to be playing around here. Now's the time. Now's the time to accept Christ. You're not, you're not leaving here, Dad. You need to do it. And with his eyes, he looked at me and looked away like, get out of here. I'm not going to do that. We need to praise God while we can. And I don't care what the world says. He is our peace. He is our Savior. And He came to die. You know how Jesus reacted to this? He looked over Jerusalem and He began to weep because they wouldn't accept Him. I hope that's not you. You have a chance today. You have that peace with God. Admit you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus died for your sins, was buried and rose again, and accept Him as your Savior and you'll have peace. And if you have that, you ought to have praise. Let's bow in prayer. Our Father, thank You for this wonderful passage of Scripture. For many, this today is just a day about waving a little bit of palm branches and they really don't understand the true meaning of Praise Sunday. When your son came and rode on a donkey in the crowd shouting, calling him who he is, the king who comes in the name of the Lord. The one that came to not only to reign, but to die for our sins. He knew no sin, but he became sin for us so that we might be right with you. Thank you that Jesus offers peace in heaven. In the midst of a world that we see things going on, so much evil. As long as there's evil on this world, we'll be seeing those things. But in the midst of a world filled with evil, we can have peace with you through Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for that. And Lord, I pray that, that, that Lord, if, if, if we do have that peace with you, that we would praise you. We would praise you for your miraculous power saving souls and changing lives. We would praise you for the person that, that Christ is. And we would praise you for the peace that we have with you through him. Thank you so much. 
Help us this week to reflect on the Holy Week and to remember all the things that he has done for us. We want to bring him the honor and glory today. In Jesus' name, amen.